Mass Edge Radio. Commence broadcast in three. You're listening to The Edge, everything bass fishing, coming to you worldwide from MegaWare Kill Guard Studios. And here we go. It's turkey turkey time. Turkey turkey time. Here we go. Gobble, gobble, gobble. Okay. You're killing me. But, uh, you know, I, I let you off the hook this year, Kurt, about talking about your Halloween costume because it was not PG rated, but now you've got to go into the turkey time. So anyway, but uh, speaking of all things funny, you being one of those, I've got to tell one of myself. So, you know, I had uh, the tournament a while back at uh, Stockton that we we talked a little bit about. And, you know, yeah, we talked, I was a little kind of down in the mouth. So I kind of put the boat in the garage and had other things going on and decided, hey, I've got to go out and get it ready for the next tournament, show it some little love. It wasn't the boat's fault that I sucked. Um, going through everything and happened to uh, be looking down at my motor and, you know, I was fishing, getting in some pretty shallow areas when I was fishing uh, the top water stuff. Well, the water was kind of that tannic uh, reddish brown from turning over color. And so uh-huh. I couldn't see. Stockton is such to where the banks come out really slowly sloped and there would be these big boulders. Well, stupid me, I wouldn't trim my motor up all the way. And uh, happened to notice I put a few notches in my skeg guard. And thankfully, uh, you know, I had that protection on there or I may not have a skeg left. Yeah, no doubt. So you would think after that many years, I would be able to reach down and hit my trim switch up as I'm trolling on 60, running down the bank, throwing my topwater and, and wiggle warts. But uh, very glad to have MegaWare Keelguard on there. And speaking of MegaWare Keelguard, as we've talked many times, they've been a partner of ours since 2006. So many products that first do it yourself, keel protector, the flex step, the list goes on and on. The scuff buster make sure everybody go to keelguard.com to check out their entire lineup of not only great people but great products yeah no doubt aaron thanks for giving that shout out and we would not have this amazing november 15th episode without also our media partners aaron we got some great media partners out there be sure to check out bass angler mag You can subscribe to the print-only magazine or the digital or print and digital. Man, super easy. You got the two-year, eight issues, one-year, four issues, lots of options, bringing you information from the west side. Aaron, we always get a little extra tidbit from the west side because they do a little things a little different than we do here in the middle of the U.S. and on the east side. So love being a part of uh, Bass Angler Magazine and reading their new insights for bass fishing and all of us crazy fans and passionate bass anglers throughout the country. So a shout out to Mark Lassane. And also, Aaron, you know, we haven't talked about it a whole lot in the last couple episodes, but uh, constantly bringing in the info, Jay Kumar with Bass Blaster. Um, Man, if you're not getting the Bass Blaster, all you got to do is send an email. Write this down really quick. It is BassBlaster at BassGold.com. Let Jay know you need to sign up for the Bass Blaster. Let him know that folks here, Aaron and I, sent you from Bass Edge Radio. He'll be sure to fire your inbox with a weekly, sometimes multi-weekly newsletter talking about all the latest, greatest things going on in the bass fishing world. So uh, lots of ways to keep up with our sport. And uh, these are two of the best that we are partnering with, Aaron. 
Yeah, certainly a lot going on. We love the information, and uh, I think, Kurt, we're going to have to spend a little time in uh, the next segment talking about uh, some of the latest developments because hard to believe, but another change has happened. Yeah, another change has happened. Information abound. Now that we've had some time to digest, we're going to break it down a little bit for you. Hang tight first. Before we go there, we're going to give you a little tip from protecttheharvest.com. This episode's ProtectTheHarvest.com Tackle Tip with FLW Tour Pro, Dylan Hayes. I want to give you all a tip about throwing a buzz bait in the fall. The biggest tip I can tell you is to take the skirt off your buzz bait and put a piece of plastic on it. My favorite plastic I throw is a Zoom horny toad. It gives a lot of advantages. The first one, the horny toad weighs more than the skirt does, so you can throw it farther. It also offers a big flat surface so you can skip it and I can skip it under trees and under docks, under limbs. I use that a lot for that. Now the other thing that the horny toad does, when you put it on the hook, push the toad above the head of the buzzbait and it puts the hook back there in the leg. So you don't miss very many fish when you do that. It gives it something for the fish to grab and it's not like a skirt going a million different ways. So that's my tackle tip. Throw a horny toad on your bus bait. Thanks, Dylan. That's a great tip. Brought to you from protecttheharvest.com. First by land and now by sea. For years, Lucas Oil has been a staple in high-performance vehicles on both the road and track. Now, from the makers of Lucas Oil comes Lucas Marine products, specifically engineered for marine applications. Protect and lubricate your marine inboard, outboard, or high-performance boat with Lucas Marine Engine Oil or Lucas Synthetic-Based Oil. Learn more about the complete line of Lucas Oil and marine products. Visit lucasoil.com. Nitro Performance Bass Boats. Get pro-level performance with the Nitro Z18, the official boat of Major League Fishing. The Z18, with its nimble handling and versatility, sports many of the features in the larger boats in the line, like a Guardian Livewell, a heavily insulated cooler, dual 8-foot rod storage, and our smooth and fast NVT hull. Every Nitro boat is laid out to do one thing very well, catch fish. Enormous front decks up to 45 square feet on the Z21 allow maximum mobility when battling unruly bass and feature low-profile gunnels for ease of skipping, pitching, flipping, or landing fish. Nitro Performance Bass Boats, pure fishing machines. Well, Kurt, just when you thought there was some normalcy returning to the sport of fishing, we are made aware of that is not the case. The sport is not resting, obviously. And uh, now we have more acronyms to digest. We have more uh, things to try and figure out of who's doing what and how they're doing it. But as the saying goes, and then there were two. So why don't you tell us what in the world is going on in the wonderful wide world of bass fishing? Yeah, the big announcement uh, with FLW and MLF, basically MLF acquiring FLW. And then, you know, essentially, I don't want to say it's like an MLF FLW takeover because it's really a merger of the two programs. You had the MLF with the BBT and the CUP system, and now you have FLW. FLW with all their great programming, whereas you had the Tour, the Costa Series, which is known as also the FLW Series, and the BFL, you know, for the weekend anglers. They've got the TBF. They had the college fishing and high school fishing. Now you have a clear path of what MLF and FLW can combine to provide together 
a bass fishing nut like you and I. And it's expanded, Aaron. This thing has expanded. You've got eight divisions now in the FLW series or the Costa series of what was. Uh, we'll see how that sponsorship parlays into 2020. But uh, you've got eight divisions now. You've got the BFL series, the entry fees being reduced. You've got the entry fees being reduced on the Costa series. you got this pro circuit that now is a qualifying process for the Bass Pro Tour. Man, there's so much going on that now, whereas we had turned from two organizations to three, now back to two with really, in my mind, I see this MLF FLW organization now really taking it from the top, top, top to all the way down to an angler that's just starting bass fishing at the high school level. So this organization is going to put on more tournaments, Aaron, than any organization in the history of bass fishing. When you apply the FLW tournament programming that they had with the BFLs and the FLW series and the tour, and then add the MLF with the cups and the BBT tour, dude, you're talking about a program that is ginormous, not huge, but ginormous, something that we've never seen in this industry before. So we're going to have to see now is how does the bass fishing world absorb this new programming? And what will the participation be? What will the viewership be like? Uh, the media platform that they've provided all of these circuits on the MLFLW side Again, unprecedented. So yeah. Bass is still there. Bass is still strong. They've got a great program. MLF now with FLW has a larger program. So it's going to be interesting again now. We've got the war of the organizations, and now the iron has been struck again, right? So more things moving after last year. We thought, how could it get any more crazy? And uh, now really what you're seeing is uh, MLF. I I'm going to say that they've, uh, with the partnership and FLW, both of them together now have a pretty big muscle. No doubt. And just to be clear, at the risk, because I do not want to isolate uh, the Bass Edge audience that doesn't give a no, rip yeah. about, you know, tournament fishing. But I do think, you know, here at Bass Edge, we are not a tournament organization. We're not strictly tournament coverage. We use those anglers that compete on the national level like yourself, Kurt, who are out there doing it at the high level to deliver that information. We are all about the sport advancement, about getting information yeah. to help people be successful on the water, whether that's in a tournament, whether that's when you take a day off work, in your kayak, off the bank, whatever it is, that's our mission. I want to spend just a brief amount of time, Kurt, because you've heard me say many times, Bass Edge is Switzerland when it comes to whether it's BASS, yeah. FLW, all that type of stuff. Okay. But one of the major changes I think that you brought up, one is the cost going down at the BFL level. I was fortunate enough to where that's kind of how I cut my teeth. I like that concept because I think it puts people in an advantage to kind of participate with uh, other of their peers and have some competitive fun. The other piece at the higher level is I wonder about the step back and I want to get your thoughts on this because you're one of the people that it affects of a four-day tournament the final two days are we taking a step back by having to wear a jersey you having to wear a jersey of which they have branding rights to half of the logo spots on your jersey. I'm not insinuating I'm just asking. Yeah and um, I think I'm not sure it's a step back uh, the reason I say that is because 
this is a new initiative. Uh, let's face it. We are participating. If we are choosing to participate in these organizations, we're participating in their programming. This isn't programming that we provide ourselves, <laughs> right? I mean, we're participating in something that they're providing for us. You know, I can't go fish a no entry fee or pay an entry fee to, you know, myself to go win money with myself. I have to participate in some kind of organization, whether it's a team tournament, an individual tournament, an BASS event, FLW, MLF, Bash Champs, Central Pro Elite, you know, whatever it is. So I don't feel like it's going backwards. This is a business step that they feel like they need to accomplish to move their programming forward. So I'm and several other anglers are going to be making decisions and make decisions based on what their individual entrepreneurial business decisions, you know, make sense for them. To me, I don't think it's a bridge burner at all. I feel like it's uh, part of the process to get some additional media coverage that maybe FLW did not have before. I mean, we're taking something from a 40 hour programming media schedule on television to 250 plus hours of television media coverage. So there are some things that in a business perspective, you've got to give up to get somewhere or raise the level, do things that are above what you've done in the past. And for them as a business model, this is the programming that they're able to provide anglers that choose to participate with them. So, uh, Heck, if you're good with it, go play the game. If you don't like it, you know, I think you got to go play somewhere else. So uh, the bottom line is this, the bass fishing sport is not the PGA yet. It's not NASCAR yet. The good thing is we're trying different things to try and achieve that level. We're not riding around in the same merry-go-round hoping something changes. They're actually pushing buttons to find the right equation to grow the sport of bass fishing. Yeah, good point. And I think always going back to the intention of what is the intent with things that are being made, change is often uncomfortable, uh, yet to be seen. But I think knowing that there are a group of 14 or so anglers that are participating in the ownership group, Hopefully, audibles will be called if something's not working. I do believe that, um, you know, knowing uh, several members of that group, that your voices will be heard if something needs to be changed and they can move in that direction. So, yeah, the retrospect to all this, Aaron, is that if you want status quo, you want blue trophies and you want classic championships, then you go fish bass. If you're looking for something a little bit different and to participate in something that really hasn't been done before and you think that that's a way to grow your platform and grow the sport than than try MLF FLW or sure. or just stay there and be happy. So it's a it's a sure. it's a win win for the whole organization as far as the industry of bass fishing. Sure, no doubt. And I I think the last thing that I'll cover and then uh, we'll go back on to talking about actually helping us catch fish yeah. is yeah. the media coverage. No doubt is unprecedented. No other time in the entire sport there will probably be more media coverage next year just across that organization than what there have of several years combined. So I think that's good. For from a business perspective, I'm interested just to see, are we going to saturate the market You know, with the tournament style coverage? I don't know. I hope not because obviously yeah. I'm a big fan of it. So anyway, that'll be something I think too that'll be interesting to see and what those ratings are and then how that impacts the sponsor involvement and what the cost 
to play the game for the sponsors is going to be. Yeah. And at present, you know, what's interesting is that the MLF FLW thing is going to provide both types of events that now you see throughout the platforms of bass fishing, which is the catchway release, conservation oriented events at the uh, top levels, the BBT and the cup events for MLF. And then you're going to have the uh, five fish, uh, you know, big fish platform in the pro circuit. So there's a lot of people that resist the change to the catchway release and uh, see some issues with that. And now you've got with this one organization, you've, you've got both worlds. So it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out, man. It's uh, like we said, we thought that 2018 was a big change and the changes continue to happen. And I got to say, Aaron, we're, we're going to move into our Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. We have on the phone, ready to go, a BBT angler who knows a lot about what's going on, Aaron, in the uh, world of MLF and behind the scenes. And we're going to get his take not only in the tournament scene, but in the fall bassin scene. One of the best of all time, cranking, jigging. This guy's got some knowledge on fall fishing. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. I'm professional angler Bradley Roy. I am FLW Tour Pro Wade Strelick. I am professional angler Marty Robinson. I am farm to feet pro angler Andy Montgomery. I'm BASS elite angler Alton Jones Jr. I'm Dave Wolak and you're tuned in to Bass Edge Radio with Aaron and Kurt. Know the importance of protecting your investments. So why use anything else other than the original and toughest DIY keel protector for your boat? MegaWare Keel Guard. Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology. MegaWare Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest-lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat. Guaranteed for life. Developed specifically by boat builders, offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also for MegaWare Keel Guard, Skeg Guard, Flex Step Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. MegaWare Keel Guard. Here we go. Bringing in one of the best of all time from the Midwest. Looking forward to pick his brain on all things bass fishing. He's an eight-time tour champion. Help me welcome back to the show, MLF BBT competitor, Mike McClellan. Outstanding to have you back on Bass Edge Radio, Mike. Hey, man, it's always good to be here. Uh, it's always a pleasure to join you guys on Bass Edge Radio and uh, looking forward to today. I mean, uh, fall is in the air. Uh, things are cooling off, so I'm definitely looking forward to getting into what you guys got on the schedule today. Well, fantastic, Mike, and certainly you've always been a uh, personal friend and a longtime friend of Bass Edge Project, but there's been lots going on in the bass fishing world world as of late and after we thought maybe things would you know be a little relaxed kind of going into 2020 after a wild off season in the fall of 2018 that's not really the case what's your bird's eye view of the sport i tell you what that may be an understatement i mean when you look back at what has actually happened in the last uh, essentially just the last year of competitive bass fishing it's been pretty dramatic i mean uh, it was literally only a year ago that the bass pro tour was was really unveiled to the world and uh, to see what happened there to see how uh, that all came together in in less than a year's time and uh, we pulled off the first season of the Bass Pro Tour you know crowned a, a Red Crest champion uh, crowned uh, AOI uh, Edwin Evers winning both the titles I mean it's been an exciting year it's been dramatic and now with the merger acquisition of FLW and now with the new creation of the MLS FLW League it's pretty mind-boggling to see where this sport's going and uh, there's a lot of excitement in it. We 
we've heard from so many fans, and I say when we, I've been a part of the Major League Fishing Cups since the inception. So as an angler, traveling around the country the last seven, eight years, listening to fans and, and other anglers, you know, ask, what is it like to be a cup angler? What's it like to fish that format? This is finally an opportunity to give everybody that vision of ultimately reaching that goal of fishing the uh, MLF Cups or the Bass Pro Tour at some given time. You know, there's a lot of things on the table right now. There's been a lot of things discussed, but I think it's pretty cool that we're going to see basically two leagues merge together and uh, giving everybody the opportunity to continue fishing the uh, same style five fish tournament that uh, they've been used to fishing, but knowing that they do now have that pathway to move on forward to uh, compete in the uh, every fish counts format as uh, major league fishing cups have done. Yeah, Mike, you mentioned about what has happened and transpired with the Bass Pro Tour over the last 12 months. I'm going to say there's positivity in the sport as far as the new happenings and and also there's people that are having a hard time with some of the change that's happening and I've got to say just from a personal perspective of of what MLF has done in a, such a short amount of time it's pretty amazing quite frankly to put <laughs> this whole thing together and have it all go through with really very little if any hiccups that the bass fishing world can see from the outside perspective I'm sure on the inside you know there's more things happening and more moving parts that maybe didn't go as well as expected but from a far view it went off without a hitch and was very successful as far as production and all the moving parts that happened with MLF which is something that we've never seen in this industry so really interesting to take that piece but you being a longtime competitor of bass can you explain to the listeners kind of the vision of MLF especially now with this merger between MLF and FLW and kind of understanding the trend moving forward for anglers to consider striving to compete with that format and the road path that gets them there I think the biggest thing that you can say there and I, and I appreciate what you said about the fact that you know it, it appeared that everything went well and I will have to say, Man, I was sweating it last year. When this was all announced that we were moving forward with the, the Bass Pro Tour with very little planning time, very little time to get a schedule put together, it was pretty spooky. Um, but with the management team that we have at uh, Major League Fishing, the production team, the sales team, you know, everybody is working together in such a great manner. And that's probably the biggest thing that is different about this league than what we have experienced in the past. Um, I absolutely, you know, give all the credit to uh, the other leagues that I fished. I have fished not only bass, but also FLW and early on in my career and would not be where I am if it wasn't for that. But the thing that we as anglers through what Major League Fishing has done is actually have some ownership stake in the leagues. We actually have more to work for than just going to the events and competing. And I think that's a big equation. When the sponsors realize that the anglers are invested in this circuit, in the production, in every facet of what's going on, everybody just works together so much more effectively. And that's probably been the coolest part for me to look at and see through the course of what has happened. You know, like I said, I mean, I fished bass for years and, uh, it was 
absolutely, you know, incredible to elevate not just my career, but, you know, all of the guys that uh, have come on board as cup anglers or uh, select anglers or whatever you might say, Bass Pro Tour anglers have come from one of those two circuits. So it's been really cool to see how that whole thing has transitioned over the past year. And I'm definitely looking forward to, you know, what the future holds. I think the biggest thing that we as anglers all agreed upon when the formation of Major League Fishing Cups first came into play is we had been doing the same thing for basically, you know, I've been doing this for 21 years now. You know, Gary Klein, uh, Denny Brower, some of the guys that jumped in originally with us in the Cups, man, they'd been doing this for 30, 35, 40 years. And I think everybody was ready to see a change. You know, with any major league sport that we watch as fans, there has been change. I mean, I've seen the three-point shot come into play in the NBA. I've seen things change in the NFL. So, you know, basically, we're trying to create a sport that gives our fans the opportunity to have that thrill of being in the boat with us, understanding what the pressures are. And it's just a whole new, I guess, formation of the sport of competitive bass fishing is the best way to explain it. Bring up a good point there, Mike, Uh, certainly with the onslaught of, you know, the challenges and the replays of now both in baseball and major league and and just all the things that uh, make the game potentially better people are always going to have opinions but the ultimate intention is to make the sport better and certainly change came about a lot more quickly here in the last several months and it's neat to see and kind of tacking onto that i also want to get into your psyche a little bit on uh, your expertise and skill in a lot of areas but two in particular that i really admire of you is your ability to use a football jig and also the cranking and i would say both are very effective in you know several seasonal behavior patterns but taking this time of year into consideration what do you think makes these presentations effective in the fall and early winter you know, I think the biggest thing is, is I think bass like football too, just like we do. And, uh, you know, that's, that's the reason the football jig works. It's football season guys. And, uh, I've said that so many times. I mean, it's like when the NFL season starts, I mean, you can count on fish biting the football jig somewhere. And I think the big thing is, you know, bass, in my opinion, are just like we are as humans. I mean, you eat certain things all the time and every now and then it's, it's good to, to make a change. And I think, you know, a lot of bass spend their summers out there chasing, uh, fish around and kind of eat low budget and all of a sudden for some reason this time of the year uh crawfish uh, kind of come into play and uh you know you can't look at two better ways in my opinion to uh mimic a crawfish than uh the football jig and uh the rock crawler i mean it's uh not to say that they don't still throw a little fish in their menu every now and then but i just think that fish really go from being on that shad based diet to, to wanting to eat crawfish in the fall and that's really what i put this on. And it's one of those situations that, you know, as time goes on, we continue to get better and better and newer and newer baits. And uh, we're able to fish different depths. And there's a lot of variations and a lot of things that really contribute to why these two baits are so successful this time of year. Mike, make some great points right there. Really interested for me, let's first start and break down the crankbait, right? You've got a signature Spro crankbait, the rock crawler. You talked about previous baits and past baits. It's you know, Wigglewort, no doubt, one of the best all-time of the past 
crankbaits that were available to uh, catch bass in your area of the country, you know, the Midwest, Arkansas, Missouri. I know that Aaron has an affinity for it. We just talked about it in the last episode, and uh, he's already started to use it as part of his arsenal, you know, moving into the colder waters and, and this type of thing. Number one, let's talk about your development of the rock crawler, why it is the shape that it is, why you feel it's effective, and what are some of the McClellan secrets that you can let us in on <laughs> to uh, be successful using the style of crane? You know, I think the biggest thing there is, and, and you you said it straight up, and, uh, you know, it's something that I can't even deny uh, sitting here on the show with you guys today. Um, I actually came to Spro early on after the development of the Mix 6 series and said, you know, hey, let me develop a crankbait. And they're like, you're not our crankbait guy. You're, you're our stickbait guy. And uh, lo and behold, we uh, show up here on Table Rock in 2014 or 15 for a Bassmaster Elite series. And I mean, there's no denying it. The crankbait bite is on. Now I'm catching a few fish on a McStick, but the crankbait bite is on. And at that point in time, Spro had some great crankbaits in the line, but we did not have that wide wobbling hunting action crankbait. And uh, the thing that, uh, you know, went on to happen that week is I won the Bassmaster event here on Table Rock and uh, did it largely because of uh, a wiggle wart, a bomber fat A, things like that. And you know, it's one of those situations that looking back, there were always things that I wanted out of a wiggle wart or a bomber that it didn't do. And so many other companies throughout the history of trying to recreate that bait have done nothing but just recreate it. They've tried to just copy and duplicate the action, the, the size. And the biggest thing for me was I wanted to uh, bring that bait to the next level. I wanted a bait that would go deeper. I wanted a bait that would cast farther. I wanted a bait that would do the things that the original baits that I grew up throwing here on Table Rock wouldn't do. And working with the engineers at Spro and them giving us the ability to really tweak a bait the way we want it allowed us to uh, basically hit a home run with the rock crawler. And the thing that's crazy about it is all through the development phase, my depth range, I was, you know, doing everything I could to make sure we came with a bait that would hit that 10 to 12 foot range. And I had accomplished that during the prototype state. But when we actually put the bait into production, the first baits I received out of the production mold actually got better and we were actually achieving even more depth. The first time I threw the bait, I was hanging it up in 13, 14 foot of water on 8 and 10 pound test uh, sunline cranky line. So when I was able to see the fact that this bait is going to get that deep, it just completely opened up the realm of depths that we've never been able to reach. Not saying you can't get any other crankbait down there, but a bait that is of that size, of those characteristics. We had never had a crankbait that would get 12, 14 foot deep and when you show up here on Table Rock in the fall, you know, this time of the year, and those fish are just starting to make that push up shallow. Sometimes the older baits just wouldn't get down there deep enough early enough. I'm catching fish here 30, 45 days earlier on a rock crawler in the fall than I've ever been able to catch on comparable crankbaits in years past. So uh, it's been pretty exciting to be a part of the development of that uh, whole rock crawler series. Well, absolutely, Mike. And I'll throw in attesting to what you just said, having lived on Table Rock for eight and a half years and uh, this being one of my favorite times of year to fish. When that came out, in my opinion, it revolutionized one of the ways that I like to fish the best, which is throwing that bait and getting down to that depth. Like you mentioned, there's just that early onset of that. You're able to get to those bigger fish that are holding and possibly staging right before they make the major push into the shallower waters. Um, So hats off to you. 
Oh, I appreciate that, man, because it's been exciting. I know the day that I showed up here on Table Rock, and I think uh, both of you guys have had the opportunity to meet a dear friend of mine that passed a couple years ago now, Bill Beck, uh, guided here on Table Rock for many years. Uh, a lot of people knew him as Blue Water Bill because he liked to uh, fish, you know, deeper than most here on Table Rock. And I showed up here in like September uh, to uh, fish with him one day to show him, you know, what I had. And he's like, man, it's way too early to catch him on, uh, you know, a wiggle wart style bait. And I'm like, Bill, this thing goes deeper you know and he's like well let's go see what it has you know and we actually caught 28 bass it was like the middle of september we had 28 fish and uh, 18 keepers the first day we threw we had like nine baits total you know we had a variety of different colors and uh to see how early you know we were able to catch them on a crankbait here was just pretty incredible so i appreciate your comment aaron and uh you know anybody that's not throwing a, a rock crawler here on table rock this time of year or any of these midwestern lakes or for that matter i mean you know kurt amistad i've i've come down there with success just left uh, lake mead uh, had the wind blown a little bit i think uh, it would have been a lot better event for me because i just couldn't lay that rock crawler down after uh, <laughs> what i saw in practice but uh it's definitely a phenomenal bait, and uh, I've really enjoyed the opportunity to be a part of this pro team and uh, being a part of the development of that bait for sure. Mike, hang tight right there. I've got a couple more crankbait questions, but we're going to power pull down and take a quick break. Y'all don't go away. We'll be back in a moment with MLF BBT Pro, Mike McClellan. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the Power Pole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, Power Pole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, Power Pole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong currents or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. Power Pole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. Bass Edge Radio presented in part by Lorant Electronics returns with MLF BPT Pro Mike McClellan in the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. That's right, Lucas Oil high-performance marine products for oil that surpasses all manufacturer's requirements. Be sure to visit the BassEdge.com store for free shipping on all Lucas products. It works. Mike, before the break, we talked a little bit about some cranking. Actually, we talked a lot about cranking and a little bit about football jig. We're going to get into football jig fishing in just a moment. But first, you know, you made a statement that I think needs some more explanation for our listeners. And that is you were talking about the Spro Rock Crawler and you were talking about a crankbait that hunts. Can you explain to the listeners what that means to you and why that makes the rock crawler an effective bait? You know, the biggest thing about that terminology when it comes to an angler, so many companies that develop crankbaits, especially shad forage fish style crankbaits, I mean, one of the big keys is you don't want that bait to go off course. I mean, when you get it down to the bottom, you want that bait to continue to dig and, and stay in as straight a line as it possibly will and track through. The thing about that hunting action is, you know, as a kid, I used to wade around in the creeks and the, the streams. And I mean, when you kick a rock over and a crawfish takes off, those crawfish are crazy. They, they'll go any direction, up, down, round and round. And there's something about that action that, that will generate strikes. And essentially, the rock crawler, as does some of the other baits that, you know, we threw here on Table Rock, when it hits the bottom, you don't ever know if that bait's going to deflect and go left for two or three feet before it trues back up. Or when it hits a rock, sometimes it may lose basically hold of the water and come up a foot in the water column. And essentially, that's probably the biggest key to 
why baits like the rock crawler, the wider wobbling baits work so well is just the actions that they create. You know, it's, it's a very inconsistent action that a lot of times creates strikes when uh, some of those truer running crankbaits won't. Perfect stuff. Uh, man, that's uh, so true. You feel that when you're cranking that style of bait, like you mentioned, versus the shad style that want to track true all the time. And even when they hit something, you kind of never lose contact with the bait. But th- exactly. there's something special with that crankbait, like the rock crawler, that when you lose that contact, that's when the magic happens. And that's because of the deflection and the hunting aspect that you speak of. So that was a great uh, tip for listeners that are new to cranking or or, you know, just trying to understand more about different crankbaits and why they work the way they do. Because I really think some people crank a, a, a bait like the rock crawler that has a hunting action like that. There is a few others on the market that have that style and they think that the bait is messed up or it's just not yeah. working correctly. You know, one of the other big things with uh, throwing a bait like the rock crawler is you, you really got to have the right equipment in place. And probably the most important part of uh, my lineup when I'm throwing a, a rock crawler in the fall is, is going to be the line choice. Uh, the first thing that I'm going to recommend is uh, nine out of 10 times, I'm going to recommend that you don't throw just straight up standard fluorocarbon fishing line. I actually throw a Sunline FC crank. It is a fluorocarbon baseline, but it has more stretch. So either something like Sunline FC crank or even potentially monofilament is going to be the way I go. But the biggest key, in my opinion, is the line diameter. So many people look at the line pound test, and that's the only thing they focus on. And to me, it's more about the diameter. You know, I want to be throwing line that is somewhere between 8,000 and 13,000 diameter. And, and that can range differently in different brands of line. But uh, the biggest key there is the depth. You know, we've talked about depth two or three times. The smaller diameter line, the deeper you're going to get the bait and the more action the bait's going to have. As you increase the diameter, you're actually going to limit the action of the bait a little bit just because of the drag that's created in the water. And, uh, you know, you can control the depth of the bait a little bit. But I'm generally going to throw somewhere between 8 and 14. Now, I can get away with throwing 14 Sunline FC crank where there's going to be other companies that when you get into that 14, 16 pound test range, it's actually going to be too big of diameter to make me happy as an angler. So uh, be sure and and really pay close attention to uh, the line diameter more so than the actual uh, pound test of the line. There you go. That's taking it to new levels right there. (laughs) I like new levels. (laughs) It is what it is. That's awesome. Good stuff. Talking before the break, we mentioned slightly football jigs. You talked about crayfish, the fall. You know, a lot of times you think about shad in the fall. I remember uh, this is probably 20 years ago. I remember Rick Tun said, if you want to know the bass, know the bait, right? So um, when, when, I, when I say know the bait, it's not the, the fishing bait we're using, but the bait that the bass are ambushing, you know, being predators of. So you talked about crayfish in the fall. Is there some process that you're aware of as far as understanding crayfish and and how they react through different seasonal behavior patterns that make the fall a time when you need to put a football jig in your hands? You know, I I don't know if I can uh, claim to be that big of a crawfish expert here on Table Rock. You know, we uh, we like to eat crawfish in the Ozarks just like folks down south do. But uh, I think more (laughs) than that, it's just simply the fact that you as an angler notice what's going on and so often this time of the year all summer long it seems like you know you see fish chasing shad you catch bass and put them in your live well and come in for weigh-in and your live well's full of shad 
for some reason, this time of the year, you know, the fall, sometime in late August, September, it's generally before November, but you start seeing more crawfish show up in your live well. You start catching bass that have crawfish pinchers and, and crawfish antennas sticking out of their throats. And I do think that it is a movement of the crawfish. I don't know if it's around the full moon, if it's a molting state or what it is, but there's definitely a big movement sometime in that August, September time frame that the crawfish become more prevalent. And that's when those bass seem to, to go. You know, I mean, just like anywhere in the country, there are seasons of things that happen. And I have to believe that there is something that happens. I just wish I understood it better because I think we would all catch them a lot better on a football jig or a crankbait this time of the year if we just understood what exactly was going on with the crawfish. Yeah, good point there. That's why most fish biologists say, well, we think, right? So um, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, during this time of year, what other techniques kind of will you lean on as fall moves into winter and really wanting to understand what techniques help you stay in front of the seasonal behavior movement as water temperatures continue to cool down? You know, there's so many things. And I think, you know, uh, Kurt's statement just a little bit ago about what Rick had to say. I mean, knowing the bait is the big key. But I, I don't think you can't consider crawfish as part of the bait. But as you get a little bit later into the fall, when the shad really start pushing into the creek, that's when you really want to start paying attention to them again. And that's when there is going to be a broad variety of baits that come back into my arsenal. I mean, my McStick 115, uh, that floating diving stick bait, when those fish really get back in the backs of creeks and start pushing bait, that's a bait that I rely on a lot. But, you know, probably one of my favorite ways of catching a bass period 100% I would pick this bait any day of the year as a buzz bait I mean this time of year as you get into those fall fall months and the water temperatures really start to dip and so many people think it gets too cold in the fall for a top water but uh, you know Aaron you know it as well as I do fishing here on Table Rock Lake of the Ozarks I mean we catch them on a buzz bait generally until that water temperature plummets below 48 or 45 degrees yeah we've caught them all the way and up to Christmas before Exactly. So, you know, buzz toads, buzz shads, uh, the new big big bite buzz toad and buzz shad are two of my favorite baits that I've had the opportunity to throw the last uh, couple years because of the newness. Those baits have been really, really baits that I rely on. Uh, Topwater walking baits are, are another real key, you know, this time of the year. And uh, you can't ever uh, dismiss just a good old-fashioned spinnerbait. You know, a dual willow leaf, shad-colored spinnerbait, uh, burning up the bank uh, will generate a lot of fish this time of the year. So you've really got to keep an open mind in the fall. Uh, you know, the crankbait deal doesn't go typically all through the fall. You know, if it isn't the rock crawler, you might be throwing a square bill. Or uh, there's just so many different variations of baits that uh, can make the difference this time of year. Mike, one more thing about this fall transition We've been talking about fall transition for the last several episodes. We've been talking about staying on the bait, specifically how difficult it can be to locate the fish because they become wanderers, as you might say. You know, they're mm -hmm. just kind of cruising around through the bait. I feel like, and I think you were headed that way in part of your conversation there with the bait in the back of the pockets. Once it gets cool, like really, really cool, colder than I think most anglers understand, you know, being it from y'all's neck of the woods in that midwest area but cool really isn't 60 
it's a whole nother level. You know, when it gets into the 50s is when you really start seeing craziness happen out there on the water when you can really have some fun. And even you guys mentioned high 40s. So what is it about that temperature drop that really leads you then off of the fall pattern into the winter patterns? And when do you see that occur? You know, the biggest thing for me has always been, and I've preached this for a number of years when I do seminars, I say preached, uh, talked about this point so often uh, as I do seminars across the country. I grew up here fishing uh, in the footsteps of, you know, my grandfather, my uncle, my dad actually learned to fish with me. But uh, one thing that always kind of made me scratch my head as a youngster is my uncle would never really get serious about bass fishing until the water temperature got to 50 degrees. And basically he would lay his bass rods down in the fall when the water temperature got back to 50 degrees. The thing that I have determined as an angler over the course of my career and the 30 plus years I've spent fishing and chasing these crazy green fish around is it isn't so much about the water temperature. It is the change in water temperature. And when I say that, I look back on so many springs when I am wanting to go fishing, you know, as a youngster, as a young learning angler, and and I'm trying to go through this process in my mind. Well, my uncle says it really doesn't get good to the water temperatures 50. Well, as a kid, I didn't believe that. And the one thing that I've learned is that when you get a jump in water temperature, it's incredible what bass will do. I mean, I have seen times, especially these clear water Midwestern lakes, that the water temperature can be 39, 40 degrees and you get three or four warm days with a good south wind blowing and that water temperature jump three, four, five degrees in a day or two's period. I've seen days when they will absolutely eat the paint off of a, a rock crawler style bait or a jerk bait in 42, 45 degree water just because of that water temperature change. And I think going into your question about when does it actually finally slow down in the fall? Mm-hmm. It's when you finally get that major water temperature plummet. As long as that water temperature is gradually falling a little by little, I think these fish stay pretty active and they keep chasing and they keep eating because they're wanting to fatten up before the water really gets cold. But once you get that first hard, hard freeze where it stays cold for three, four, five days in a row, I think you can pretty well stay on the bank, keep following the bait, and be successful. But when you finally get that five, six, seven degree water temperature plummet, that's what kind of finally kills the fall bite, and you really have to start transitioning back into what you would consider winter patterns. Gosh, that makes a lot of sense. Great explanation, Mike. We're going to move right into take a listener question. This segment of the show is brought to us by Nitro Performance Bass Boats. Dan, Aaron, I hope I'm saying this right. It's Dan Agati. Let's go with Dan. Dan, you know who you are. Dan's question is this, Mike, if you could help him with this. You know, we get a lot of questions about uh, budget. Fishing can be an inexpensive (laughs) sport, but depending on where you're wanting to take your fishing, when you start looking at some of the uh, products out there, they're, they're a pricey deal. And so Dan wants your opinion on this. What are key things I should invest in finally getting into tournament fishing? Dad and him have a 2004 tracker. It's got some outdated equipment. They've been catching fish for over 10 years now on what they have. But, you know, they want to know what they should be focused on laying out the boat and investing in that or juicing up their tackle rod selection. Usually only using a few different rods and not too many baits. 
you know, it's making the tighter budget for fun fishing. Does having a vast rod selection change your game early in the local tournaments more than, say, up-to-date electronics, power poles, and accessories of that type? You know, there's a the couple different ways of looking at this, Kurt. And uh, I used to, uh, you know, I, I followed Rick Clun for so many years, and I, I think a lot of us will remember uh, a few years back, Clun said, you know, rod actions aren't that important. It's more important to be comfortable with what you pick up. And and I have to believe that the more and more I've fished, yes, you need, you know, a, a few different actions of rods, but you don't have to have a specific rod for every single technique that you're you're going to fish. So in my mindset, looking at what has happened in competitive fishing during the last 10 years that these guys have been catching fish out of their tracker, I would have to say electronics are the key. Um, with the new generation of anglers, learning these electronics has been key for me, and I feel like I've even fallen behind. I mean, I've got a 30-year-old son that absolutely just makes my head spin when he starts showing me what he can see on his electronics, and, and I feel like I'm pretty good. Uh, but to me, the new additions of, of things like Garmin, LiveScope, pan optics uh you know the original pan optics the mapping features that most electronics have in this day and age are going to give you what you need as an angler to be competitive i mean when i run around a lake now i'm not randomly stopping on a point or on a channel swing because it looks good visibly i'm stopping because of what i'm seeing on my garmin mapping once i put the trolling motor down and i start fishing I'm fishing an area because I see bait and fish either on my 2D sonar or my live scope pan optics. So it's one of those situations where I do believe that electronics are probably the biggest key to making an angler more and more successful in the day and age that we're fishing in. Yeah, good stuff, Mike. And thank you for answering that question. Dan, we need one more thing from you, and that is to simply go to BassEdge.com, click on the Claim Your Prize tab, fill that information out so that we can send your Bass Edge gift to your doorstep. And as a reminder to all Bass Edge listeners, send in those questions to the show via our website, BassEdge.com, to have a shot at winning another gift from the show in the following months. You may also email us support at BassEdge.com or simply leave us a comment on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter media pages. Well, Mike, thanks again for hanging out with us here on uh, Bass Edge Radio. Certainly tremendous ambassador for the sport, consummate professional. Any closing thoughts as uh, we get ready to wind down? You know, I'm wanting to take advantage of this fall day. I'm sitting here in my office uh, looking out at my view of Table Rock Lake. Uh, it's great to be here with you guys, but I think I'm ready to put the ranger on the water and uh, see what we can generate on a rock carl or a football jig today. That's awesome, Mike. We've got four last questions for you. We're going to break these things down. Number one, what are your big plans for the offseason? You know, my big plan for the off season is uh, gearing back up and getting ready for another Bass Pro Tour season. I'm going to do a little hunting, but uh, I saw this past year that uh, I didn't spend near enough time on the water last fall. So I'm going to spend a lot more time on the water this uh, off season. Try to kill a deer, try to go kill a few pheasants and quail, but uh, I'm getting geared up for next year. Awesome. What is the next signature bait you'd like to develop? Man, there's so many opportunities right now. Uh, honestly, I feel like we're missing a uh, slashing style stick bait in the McStick line, uh, something that doesn't dive quite as deep as the uh, current McStick 110. And uh, we're probably looking to do something in that category right now. So uh, definitely be uh, on the lookout for a bait like that in the next year or so. Phenomenal. What is your go-to road snack? 
Oh, man, you caught me off guard here. <laughs> My go-to road snack would probably have to be um, you know me. I mean, I, I've got to have my uh, unsweet iced tea, but uh, probably my go-to everyday road snack is uh, just the fine folks at Crockett Creek Beef Jerky, always uh, keeping us hooked up with uh, beef jerky. It's hard to beat when you're headed down the highway. Yeah, I like that one. Keep the protein running. And uh, who is your pick for the 2020 BBT AOI? Edwin Evers took all the titles seem like this year in the BBT format in the tour. Who do you think is going to step up for 2020? You got any surprise picks? You know, um, you would always be uh, not doing your job properly or uh, keeping your confidence level where it should be without saying yourself. So, uh, you know, I'm going to go out there on a limb and say I'm, I'm looking to have one of the best seasons ever. But one person that really has stood out in, in the forefront for me, and, I, and I've watched develop as an angler uh, the past few years, years uh, i've got to know him uh, from the time that the elite series first began and uh you know i just feel like he's about to come into his uh and it's not that he hasn't i mean he's, he's set the world on fire this year but uh would probably be jared Littner. i mean the guy is rock solid he uh showed this year that he uh came in with no past history fishing the selects or the cups and uh, absolutely had a great year on the Bass Pro Tour and I really think it's getting ready to all fall into place for old Mr. Littner. Awesome, man. The milkman will be arriving and giving it deliveries. I like it. Uh -huh. <laughs> all right, Michael. Hey, man, it was great seeing you several weeks back at the U.S. Open. I hope to be able to see you on the road again soon. Uh, certainly best of luck in 2020. Bass Edge Nation, hang right here. We'll be back in a moment know the importance of protecting your investments so why use anything else other than the original and toughest diy keel protector for your boat megaware keel guard grinding sand abrasive rocks and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology megaware keel guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest-lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat. Guaranteed for life. Developed specifically by boat builders, offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also from MegaWare Keel Guard, Skeg Guard, Flex Step Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. MegaWare Keel Guard. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the PowerPole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong currents or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. Aaron, long-time guest of the show. I've known McClellan for a long, long time. Great to have him on the show again. I should have asked him about his, uh, which I think maybe we've done on a previous episode, but I'd love for newcomers to know Mike as Peepaw. 
That's right. That's right. Uh, I, I completely forgot about that. And speaking of which, yeah, going back with, you know, Mike, I've known Mike since, man, he was running the champion boats. He, you know, he was a sales yeah. rep down there and, yeah. and constantly running in. So it goes way back. But yeah, that would have been interesting. That's why he's people, because it always seems everybody's experience with McClellan goes way back. So so he was there before a lot of us. Long time bass fishing junkie. You know, to say he's dug in into the industry is probably a complete understatement, but uh, he's seen it from all sides, all levels. So it was great to pick his brain on bait design, great to pick his brain on on just, you know, overall fall fishing with the MLF, LW stuff. You know, everything was just a lot of fun to chat with Mike about. He brings a lot to the table. But there's always one thing I take from every interview and try to highlight it here in our final segment. And today it was McClellan talking about line diameter. You know, he talks about sunline. That's his preferred line. But what was really interesting is how he wants to make sure it's not necessarily the pound test you're using that's most important because there is no industry standard on pound test based on line diameter. Each company can be a little bit different. So good tip there on cranking, using and, and I would take this as a good tip on any presentation you're using, whether it's, you know, what kind of water clarity, sensitivity, wind condition. Uh, obviously, like we've talked about cranking in this episode, but line diameter, super critical to how your bait works through the water and the sensitivity of line to lure based on rod that will help you catch more fish. So that was awesome. Something we've never talked about here on the show. Yes. And, uh, you know, kind of behind the scenes, Kurt, right? You and I have our production notes and things that we're uh, hoping to talk about during the show. And oftentimes I find myself taking notes. That was one of the things that I wrote down and I wrote down his exact dimensions and everything because of throwing that bait. And he is so good. And I'm not just talking about the rock crawler or the wart style bait, but then he gets into the jerk baits and everything. I always knew know that the smaller line puts more action, makes it dive deeper, what have you. But right. I've never really focused so much on the line diameter as what I have of, because we're naturally trained, right, as anglers to think about it in pound test. So right. I think I even phrased that question like that. So great point. Totally agree. But speaking of being kind of at the end of my notes here, that means it is time to put this episode to rest. Kurt, Two more episodes left, which will be December uh, yes. as we head into uh, – Already. I know. Right. I know. Right. Crazy. Make sure you eat some good turkey, Aaron. Happy Thanksgiving to you and the rest of Bass Edge Nation. No doubt. Speaking of uh, Thanksgiving, again, we appreciate everyone tuning us in. Make sure go on to our social media platforms, Insta, Twitter, Facebook, you know the drill, and uh, certainly keep up with us on BassEdge.com with all the articles and videos that we have there. Also be thinking, if you don't have that idea for perhaps the angler that's in your life, Dr. Jay McNamara's book, The Psychology of Exceptional Fishing, as we start heading into the cold months, getting into that cabin fever. That is a great read and really a must-have for your fishing arsenal. For Kurt Dove and the rest of the Bass Edge crew, I am Aaron Martin. We look forward to seeing you episode 317, December 1st. Have a great one, everybody. The Edge is presented by MegaWare Keelguard.
For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com. And be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Nitro Boats, Lucas Oil, ProtectTheHarvest.com, Mercury Marine, Lawrence Electronics, PowerPole, and Rapaholic.com.